by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Let me just tell you that uh, this Sunday, 21 men at DeSoto County Jail got saved. I tell you, God is doing a great work there, and, I, and we thank you for your prayers, and we thank those who are, are involved in that ministry and go there and give of your time and, and love on those guys. And I just love to hear them singing praise and worship just like I love to hear you singing praise and worship. We sing Amazing Grace there every Sunday, and uh, it's just amazing. Grace. <laughs> it's amazing to hear those guys sing. And I think that's the strongest sound in the world to hear men lift their voice for the Lord. Uh, let's turn to Daniel chapter 19. Daniel 10, Daniel 10 verse 19, I'm sorry, did I say 19? Daniel 10 verse 19, you might want to write this scripture down because I found it and I love it. And I think it'll bless you, and I think you need to know where it's at so when you're going through tough times, you can get to this scripture. Daniel had just received a prophecy and, and had a vision of the Lord, and it was about terrible times to come here on the earth, probably about times that we're about to step into. He was having a vision. God was showing him. And he was overwhelmed by the darkness and the bad news. And the angel of the Lord appeared to Daniel. And he said in verse 19, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, for you are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. I'm going to read it again. I want you to receive this for yourself right now. And I want you to be encouraged. That the angel of the Lord would say to you, Don't be afraid, for you are very precious to God. Do you believe that? Have peace. Be encouraged. And be strong. You know, encouragement is like wind for yourselves. It's been hot. I mean, records setting hot. There hadn't been much wind blowing. We're living in a time where it's getting hotter. And there seems to be very little wind for ourselves. But wind for yourselves comes in the form of encouragement. Often I talk about, you've heard me tell this story, I know 20 times about King David before he was king. How he had to encourage himself in the Lord. His men wanted to kill him. His, the, the enemy had run off with everything that belonged to him, including his wife and children. And his own men were wanting to blame it on him and stone him. But what did he do? It says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. He blew some wind into his own cell. He encouraged himself in the Lord. 
Now, why is that important? Because you know the rest of the story. Just a few weeks later, he was made king. But if he wouldn't have passed that test, it looks like to me that that was the big test that he had to pass to become king. That if he wouldn't have encouraged himself in the, in the Lord that day, he wouldn't have became king. But because when everything looked bad, he was at his lowest point in life. And maybe some of you feel like that today. Maybe you feel like, man, I don't know if it can get any worse than this. I'm just, I am so discouraged. Ugh. I don't know if I can go on. What's the point? Everybody wants to stone me. They, nobody else cares. They're all blaming me. He had every excuse to have a pity party. I mean, he had been anointed king many, many years before, but he's still not king yet. Man, I, how long have we had these, these, this vision on the wall? But it still hadn't happened yet. Oh, my goodness. Saul's trying to kill him. Nothing seems fair. But yet, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Should I go after him, God? Yeah, go after him and get your stuff back. Make the devil pay sevenfold for everything he tried to steal from you. I will be with you. David encouraged himself in the Lord and thus became king. And while I think the test was because once he became king, he was going to need to learn to do that throughout his kingship. We need to learn to encourage ourselves to get to the next step, but it's because we're going to need that encouragement for the next step. I mean, there were times in his life where he made mistakes, he sinned. There were times in his life where his own Children were going at it, and then one of them tried to overthrow him as king, betrayed him by his own son. His son died. This life ain't easy. This life is not easy. That might be the only thing I get an amen to all day. <laughs> so some of you saying, I ain't saying nothing, but I'll say amen to that, you know. It ain't easy for me either. It ain't easy for the person on your left, and it ain't easy for the person on your right. But the difference in God's people is that they encourage themselves in the Lord. They encourage themselves, and they get up and keep moving forward. I wrote this. Discouragement comes... But encouragement overcomes. Let me say that again. It's, it's simple, but it's profound. Discouragement comes, sometimes in waves. But encouragement overcomes. That's how you do it. Look at your neighbor and say, that's how you do it. 
the reader, the writer of Hebrews, the third chapter, verse 13 in the NIV says that we should encourage one another daily. <laughs> this is not just the every now and then thing. Overcomers need to encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by, the, by sin's deceitfulness. You see, what will happen is sin will get a hold of your life, tragedy will get a hold of your life, all these negative things, these roadblocks in our life get a hold of us and they begin to deceive us into thinking we can't overcome. It's trying to deceive us and say, just might as well stay down. There you done messed up again. You can't do it. You'll never win. But God says a good man may fall down seven times, but he gets back up. You just keep getting back up. You just keep encouraging yourself, stirring yourself in the Lord. Encouragement brings proper perspective in your life. Because things ain't as bad as the devil's whispering to you. Things ain't as bad as the situation appears. You see, the, in the world, people only see in the natural. But hey, we have the spirit realm, which grants us the victory. We know that in the end, we win. We know that we're more than overcomers in Christ Jesus who loved us. Thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not just carnal Oh, just seeing the surface kind of people. We go deeper and deep is calling into the deep and saying you're more than an overcomer. As long as you don't quit, you keep walking with me, we're going to win. If God be for you, who's going to be against you, huh? God always wins. So when you're encouraging yourself, you're realigning your perspective. Often our perspective is, you know, just to rehearse what we see in the natural. Get ourselves worked up. Man, I say, sometimes I look at my life and it just de depends on my perspective that day. <laughs> I could tell myself, whoa, it's me, man. I'm just going to roll back over and not get up today. Oh, whoa. This is happening. This is happening. I'm bringing tomorrow's worries and the next day and the next day and next week and, and the things that could happen that ain't happened. I'm just bringing all those worries into my perspective and thinking, oh, man, who wants to get up today? But all I have to do is stir myself up in the Lord and get the proper perspective. If God be for me, who can be against me? You know, we, we take for granted some very major things in our life, like our health and, and uh, having food to eat. And like uh, Miss Marsha, having air conditioning. Aren't you happy you're sitting on a cushioned seat right now? Many churches in Pakistan have been burnt out this week. And they started with dirt floors to begin with, many of them. Oh, we're blessed. We're blessed. You have to fight for your perspective, the right perspective. Or you'll talk yourself out of your victory. That's what David's men were doing. They wanted to quit. 
But oh, where are the Davids of our generation? Where is somebody that's going to stand up and proclaim, no, if God be for us, who can be against us? We win. We must continue to get back up and encourage ourselves in the Lord. We got to. What's the alternative? To quit? I'm just going to tell you, the Bible says very clearly, he who endures, endures to the end shall be saved. I don't know what that means, but you figure it out. I know Romans 8, 28 says all things are working together for my good. When I see myself going through a hard time, when I make a mistake, have to pay the consequences, when I do this or that, no matter what's happening in my life, I know God is in control. I mean, you could be going through a Job experience. Everything falling apart, but Job kept the right perspective. I know my God lives. I know my Redeemer lives. I know he's working something together through this. And it's in the hard times, it's in the valleys, it's in the low places that we grow as human beings. We grow stronger on the inside for the journey ahead. You're saying, man, you're painting a hard picture, Pastor. And I'm trying to paint a new picture. I'm trying to get you to see the real picture. The Word of God. This is our fuel for encouragement. This is what gets the motor turning. This is what we base our lives on. This is the foundation for your encouragement. You know, I, I go to the hospital to visit people that are in the hospital often. And when I was a new pastor, I just had a wrong perspective about what I was doing there. I thought, well, they want to see their pastor. I th I, pastors just go to the hospital. Um, you know, that's what they do. So they want to feel like their pastor cares. So I would go to the hospital and whatever, and I'd do what I thought I was supposed to do. But as I began to meditate on it, the Lord began to show me, you're not there. They don't need the pastor. They need the Word of God. You're representing God when you go. It's nice that the pastor came, but what they really need is encouragement, fuel from the Word of God. I'm there as a representative of Christ to bring a word into your life, to bring encouragement to you. And encouragement has got to be based on the Word of God. It's the bread of life. It is our healing balm. I can't stress enough to those of you who call yourself Christians but refuse to read the Word of God how you're... I don't know how you're making it. I don't know... I, I would be amazed to see the potential in your life if you would begin to read the Word of God and find out who you are. I hear excuses like, well, I don't like to read. or It don't make sense to me. Well, it didn't make sense to you when you used to read it because you wasn't saved. But if you're saved now, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you and, and His Spirit inside of you will help you to, to decipher spiritual things because it's a spiritual book. Spirit to spirit, it is the bread of life. Your spirit man's dwindling and dying in there. You're not giving him any nutrition. You're eating once for an hour on Sunday mornings. And be starving the rest of the week. Oh, but if you would get in that word for yourself, your daily bread. 
Give us this, our daily bread. I got to have it. It is my sustenance. It's the healing balm for my life. Romans 15, 4 says, the scriptures give us hope and encouragement. There it is, that word again. You discouraged? Well, the scriptures give you hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Nobody likes that word patiently, but it's part of the process of God's promises being fulfilled. And as you wait patiently, you need that hope and that encouragement. And then, my goodness, what good thing are we lacking down here as Christians? We got the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, I think the word for the Holy Spirit in the Greek is like paraclete, which means comforter and encourager. And he dwells on the inside of you. Dare I go into all the people in the church that refuse to acknowledge the Holy Spirit in their life or don't want to be filled with the Holy Spirit because some, their grandmama told them it was spooky or Holy Spirit. Jesus said, even Jesus said, it's better if I go away because if I don't go away, I won't send the Holy Spirit. He's saying it's better to have the Holy Spirit down here than for him to be here. You say, why would that be? Because Jesus became a human and he could only be one place at a time. He became one of us. But the Holy Spirit can be in you and me and you and me and you and me and more in me and I mean, he's in you. If you're born again, you just acknowledge him. You give him every place in your heart, all your attention, and let him encourage you. He's the one Jesus sent to encourage you personally. My goodness, we're so blessed. Somebody say, we're blessed. In Acts 9.31, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. And it grew in numbers. Two things. You want to fill these empty rows? Those empty seats in between us? You want to put more chairs out like I do? You want to see the kingdom of God begin to grow? Well, first we need the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord needs to come back to the church. We've kind of got lax, you know. I don't need the church. Oh, this, you know, just a little bit of God. We didn't got so sloppy agape and greasy grace up in here. We have no fear of the Lord. We, if we'd get a proper respect and a fear and an understanding of what how serious God is about the harvest how serious he is about the calling on our life we would stop making excuse and that fear of the Lord would cause us to do the things which would grow this church I'd be more afraid of God than I am the person I'm scared to minister to So we must need the fear of the Lord and we need the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
We need to pray before our services, and as I do, that the Holy Spirit is so real and tangible in this room that lost people come in and fall to their face before they get through the double doors. And that the, the saved people are so encouraged, so united. Oh, God has a plan. And it begins with honoring the Lord because of your fear of the Lord. And, and your fear of the Lord produces in you the want to. And then the, the Holy Spirit empowers your want to. And gives you peace and encouragement. Say, God is for me. God's not against me. God's got my back. Now say it like you mean it. God is for me. He's not against me. And he's got my back. Doesn't that encourage you? You see, we talked about the words of our mouth, I think it was last week. What are you saying? You begin to say words like that, encouragement comes. Because discouragement's going to come. But courage, encouragement, is going to overcome. No matter what we face, Second Chronicles 32.8 says, talking about the enemy, he may have a great army, but they're merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us fight our battles for us. And it says Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged the people. They were overwhelmed. They were surrounded by the enemy. And King Hezekiah could have said, oh, every man for himself. But he had to stir himself up in the Lord. And then he encouraged the people. That's what good kings do. Are you being a good king and priest in your household? Because I see this younger generation in fear. I see them trembling. I see them scared. And I believe it's because the parents are instilling the fear in them. We're not pointing them to Jesus we're pointing them to some some bunker hidden away in North Dakota somewhere. We need to all hide and run for our lives. We need to run to the caves. Us four and no more. No. We've got to encourage our children in the Lord. God has not given you that spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Step up, kid. This is, this is your time. Each generation has to, had to face discouragement. Are we going to be the ones that give in to it? Or are we going to be the ones that stir ourselves up in the Lord and overcome? Our outcome is secure. And I want to encourage you in this. It won't always be so hard. You say, Pastor, you, you're making it sound like, I don't know how, we're barely scraping by. No, this Life is but for a moment. It's just a moment. This heartache, this pain, this struggle, these temptations that you face, these obstacles, they're but for a moment. But if you'll be faithful, it'll work for you a far greater way to glory in the life to come. If you'll just be faithful, this isn't heaven yet. I know a lot of preachers will preach that once you get saved, it's like heaven on earth. 
No, it becomes the war. <laughs> it becomes a war on earth. Because now you, you recognize you have an enemy, and he recognizes you're the enemy. And spiritual warfare begins to take place. But it's better than the alternative to just stay in darkness and go to hell when you die. You're going to have to fight. Did anybody tell you that as Christians? You're going to have to fight? Anybody say anything to you about a good fight of faith? Didn't anybody say that you're a, supposed to be a good soldier for Jesus Christ? I'm glad the Bible doesn't say, well, y'all just lay down. If you can make it to church on Sunday, just sit on the pew. I'd be, you'd be all right. That's right. That's right. I, 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 you're right. I shouldn't say that that's, that's not a good place to start, but that's not a good place to, to stay. You don't just come and sit on a pew and say, well, this is all I ever should do. If you, if you want to just be, continue to be beat down, you know, but, but the word, what, what helped you? It was the word of God. It was that source for encouragement. That, God's not giving you the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. It was that that you got a hold of. It got in your heart. It planted. It created faith. And it was spoke out of your mouth. And it came to pass. So you fought the good fight of faith. You took what God gave you to work with. And you worked it. You worked up your faith. You built up your faith. And that's what I'm saying. We can't stay baby Christians. There's no neutral in your Christianity. You're either sliding back or you're moving forward. And to, to move forward, you're going to have to set your face against uh, culture. You're going to have to set your face against the enemy. And you're going to have to move forward even when you don't feel like it. But there is coming a day that we will see him and we will be like him. We won't have this sin nature anymore. Oh, you know, our, our, self, our flesh is our biggest enemy, even probably more so than the devil. Our flesh is just oh, pulling us down. Gravity just trying to pull us down. But there's coming a day we'll see Jesus and we'll be like Jesus. This mortal body will take on immortality. We'll live forever in a place where there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying. No more death. No more decay. No more sickness. Disease. A place of reward for the overcomers. 
A place where the lion and the lamb shall lay down together. A place where they can beat their instruments of war into plowshares. A place where the goodness of God rules and reigns. A place where there is no night, but the glory of God illuminates the world. There's coming a day where we shall worship Jesus with our whole heart. There won't be anything in the back of our mind saying, you, you look stupid doing that. You, should, you don't sing good. There won't be a, a little voice from the enemy any longer. There will be, there'll be no boundaries. Yes, sir. No boundaries in our worship. Have you ever saw somebody that was really free and you said, I'd, I'd love to, to be like that. But you thought, I can't never be like that because I have dignity and self-respect. <laughs> but you really wish, man, wouldn't it be nice if we could all just let it hang out and there was no worry about self. That's what it's going to be like in heaven. There's going to be nothing stopping you from just enjoying yourself. You're going to have meaning and purpose like never before. There's still going to be a calling on your life when you get to heaven. You're going to have responsibilities, but you're going to love it. You're going to, you're going to do things. You're going to accomplish things in heaven, and you're going to be so happy. Such fulfillment in heaven. No enemy to try to stop you. It's going to be beautiful. So encourage yourselves. Apostle Paul said in Colossians 2, 2, I want them to be encouraged. And knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan. And that plan is Jesus Christ himself. You know what God's plan for you is? Jesus. You know where your fulfillment is? Jesus. In the relationship. I don't know why you came to Christ. Maybe you wanted to be saved. You wanted that sin debt gone. Maybe you wanted a home in heaven. Maybe you're thinking about heaven and, and the place of heaven. But the place of heaven is only heaven because Jesus is there. And your Christianity is only Fulfilled in the person and relationship with Jesus himself. Not because you can quote some scriptures and you're righteous in your own strength or whatever. It is in the relationship with Jesus. Jesus is our encouragement. And I've never been more encouraged. When I get down, which I'm like you, sometimes often... <laughs> I'll, I'll walk around this sanctuary. I'll walk around my pool at home. I'll walk around my, my living room when it's 100 degrees outside. And I will just start talking to Jesus. We were talking to Jesus. Wasn't that a song? Oh, my goodness. Huh? That's where, oh, that's, where, that's what I need. When I feel discouraged, I go to Jesus. What is Paul saying that will cause the church to be encouraged and knit together and to be in love with one another and have confidence to understand God's plan? It is Jesus himself. 
I don't know what you've made your Christianity, but if it's anything based on anything other than Jesus Christ, then you need to understand that He is the, the wheel inside the wheel. He is the hub. He must be the center. All things work from the inside out. And all the promises of God are in Christ Jesus. And they're lived out through Christ Jesus. He is the reason we're here today. And no other. Because everything else will fall in line when Jesus is on the throne of your life. Jesus. So God's given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. Everything, everything, the Word, the Spirit, His blood, and Jesus Christ Himself, we have access. We can come boldly before the throne of God in our time of need. What, what, what else do we need? We have the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. They're all ours. Everything that we need to, to stay encouraged and stay fulfilled. We have it. We have to access it. And I'm going to tell you another thing that he did to encourage you. As he said, I'm going to pour out my encouragement vertically. But I want you to be filled with encouragement so that you can pour it out horizontally. And he gave us the one another's. All those scriptures on love one another, care for one another, encourage one another. So much more as you see the day approaching. It's the one another's. A marathon runner. I've never run a marathon. That ain't my gig. But some people running 26 miles, I understand that they have to dig down deep. At some point they have gone past what their body wants to do. Or maybe is even capable of doing. But to finish the race, they have to dig down deep. And, where, and, and as marathon runners in the body of Christ, we have to dig down into the deep parts of God in, inside of us sometimes. But isn't it nice? I can imagine feeling like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm just keeping my eyes on the finish line. I'm keeping my eyes on the prize. My legs don't want to work. They wobbling, you know, and I may even fall and I may even crawl a while and somebody help me get back up. But somebody hand me a cool glass of cup of water, a solo cup of water on the way and says, you can do it, buddy. You can do it. And that's what we're to be to one another. That's what God wants us to be to one another. Because sometimes we forget. Sometimes the, the stress of what we're going through gets us so delirious that we can't even think about Jesus. I've been to points in my life I'd say, you pray for me because I can't even think right now. Have you been there? You may be sick. You may be on some medicine. You can't, uh, I can't. Somebody pray for me. And we become encouragers to one another. We need that horizontal encouragement to finish the race. Romans 1.12 says, when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. You know what encourages me as a pastor? To see you walking in your faith. 
That's, that, that is so encouraging. In fact, somebody called me this week and told me of somebody that they know that's being encouraged at this church. I love that. I love encouragement. Which one of us don't? Why don't we learn how to encourage one another on this journey? You be encouraged by what you see God doing in their life and let them be encouraged what what's God's doing in your life. It was so vital in Paul's ministry. Paul had this great big ministry to write like half of the New Testament, to, to evangelize most of the world at that time. But he's fighting. Oh, the devil's fighting Paul. He's stoned, shipwrecked, left for dead, abandoned at sea, robbers and, and the, the church, people, false members and wolves in the church turning on him. Paul had some things to overcome, you understand. So encouragement for Paul was huge because he needed it. He needed that wind in his sail so he didn't languish in it. In 2 Corinthians 7, verse 5, he said, When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction. There were battles on the outside and fear on the inside. Here the apostle Paul is admitting that he faced fear like we do. There were people wanting to kill him on the outside and fear was wanting to rise up on the inside. He said, but God. Say, but God. How many times I heard Anita encourage everybody. She says, but God. That's her saying. Still saying it. When somebody says, oh, well, yeah, I'm barely making it. You know, my back, this, 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 and my finances, and, and so-and-so's doing this, and this. But God. You just remind yourself, but God. But God who encourages those who are discouraged encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. What did God use to encourage somebody? Another person. He sent Titus. And his presence was a joy. Titus didn't come belly aching. He brought the joy of the Lord. And so was the news that he brought of the encouragement he received from you. So the people where Titus had been staying with, they encouraged Titus. Titus encouraged Paul. And that's the way encouragement works. We've got to keep it going. Just like a rumor spreads like a weed, we've got to keep encouragement spreading like a weed. Just like bad news spreads like wildfire, we got to keep encouragement spreading like wildfire. we got to keep saying, but God. I know it looks bad in the natural, but God is in control. But God is on the throne. But God knows me. But God is for me. My God is always with me. He's on the inside of me. He's encouraging me. We got too many Job's comforters in the church. Job was going through it worse than any of us have ever faced. The devil was unleashed on Job. And Job's friends show up 
under the guise of encouragement and begin to tell Job why it's all his fault that he's like he is. When your Christian brother or sister's down, and even if they're saying some wrong stuff, what good is it going to do to pounce on them? I'm pretty sure they know the things they've done wrong or the things that got them into this situation. You can discuss that, but don't, don't use that opportunity to bring them down. What they need is your encouragement. Because you know you've been there too. You know you've found yourself in some holes that you may have dug for yourself. But God sent somebody to you and put some wind in your sails and said, get back up. We've all fallen down. Here's a cup of cold water. You can finish the race. Look, let's run together. God will forgive. God will forget. And you'll be a more than overcomer in Christ. God will provide true friends to you if you'll let him. Why are you looking at me, Angie? I'm one of those loners. I, I don't make a lot of friends. Some of you, like I've tried to be your friend, Pastor, I know. I'm not a good friend. I'm working on it. But God will provide true friends to you if you will let him. You remember we talked about David. In 1 Samuel 23, verse 16, it talks about Jonathan. And Jonathan was a friend to David. It says, Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You know his dad was King Saul. He was trying to kill David. But his son Jonathan said, don't, don't worry about my dad. He ain't going to find you. You know why he said that? He said, because I see something bigger on your life, David. I know that you've been anointed to be king. You know, Jonathan was the rightful heir to the throne of Saul. It was supposed, he was supposed to be king. But yet, yet here he is, a friend to David, the man who would take the throne that could be argued was rightfully his. But he laid down his desires, his aspirations for David. And he said, my dad's not going to kill you, David. He'll never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel. And I will be next to you. As my father Saul is well aware, I don't care what my dad thinks. You are my friend. I know God has anointed you, and I will be with you through it all. So be encouraged, David. Do you have a friend like that? A friend who wants to see you succeed? Maybe you don't have one. There's one in this room for each of us. The need is always in the seed. Everything that this church needs is right here today. 
If you need a friend, there's a friend that you could make in this church. God will provide. And we all need somebody to come along and, and tell us, look, I see a destiny on your life. I, hear, I know there's a calling on your life and the devil's not going to get you. You will become king and I will, I will be right there with you, cheering you along and giving you a cold cup of water every time you need it. I will be your friend. Those who water others will be watered. We've talked about how to receive encouragement. But right now, I want to tell you, the greatest way to, to be encouraged is to encourage. Encouraging brings encouraging. It's planting a seed back into your life of encouragement. Nothing brings me greater joy than to see you encouraged. It's a fire that just... When we come together, we become a city on a hill full of the life of God, the light of God. The, the fire burns bright when we give into one another and we encourage one another. Encouraging is so encouraging. <laughs> so the challenge for this week, what are ways I want you to I want you, to, before you go to bed tonight, to write down some ways that you, each day, some reminders, put something on your refrigerator, or write something on your hand, or, or put something in your phone, some reminders on your calendar. That's a good idea. You know, every Thursday, I'm going to call so-and-so and check on them. You know, on Wednesdays, I'm going to buy so-and-so's lunch. I'm going to do this. You know some things that you can do. If you will start encouraging others, you will find yourself more encouraged than you have ever been in your life. And the wind will come back into this church like never before. Our sails will be, somebody hold on. We'll be moving on with God's plan at breakneck speed. If we will encourage one another, we all need it. But we all need to give it. I often told you the story. I get to where I tell my same stories over and over, but they, they just, I, they're different examples in them. I, I, I told y'all, you know, I always bring this with me. And this is my scorecard when I played golf at time. And I keep it with me. For, on, the first and the only time I've ever shot under par. And me and my brother were, always playing, always competing against each other, just getting mad if, you know, get, get beat and everything, just highly competitive. But this one day, we were playing, and this is after my brother had cancer and stuff, and he was still able to play. And I think his reflexes were a little off because he was just wasn't playing good that day. But I just, for some reason, out of the blue, had my focus and had my swing going, working for me, and my putts was dropping, and we only played nine holes at a time. But, you know, by the seventh, eighth hole, I was even par, and I'd never been doing that good, you know. I'm not that good a golfer. And Heath was just doing bad, and he recognized that something special was happening with me. And I'll never forget what he did. He might have hit a few more balls off the tee or something, but he would put his clubs in the bag, and he just started encouraging me the rest of the way. He said, something special is happening here. I'm going to encourage him. 
I, I never seen, nobody ever done that for me before. And here we are, you know, button heads usually in co- competition, but he just gave up and said, my game isn't important. I see something special happening in their life. And he just began every, every putt, he was saying, okay, I see it breaking a little to the left. He took an interest in me, and I never, say, I never felt anything like that. And more wind hit my sails, and I ended up shooting one under par. Shot like a six-foot putt on the last hole to go under par for the first time, only time in my life. And as we left that day, I was just elated. He wasn't, you know what all he was talking about? That was great, man. I never seen you play like that. You did good. He was talking about my game. He didn't over there like I usually do. Well, yeah, you did good, but man, I suck. You know, I'm just going to be honest. I'm so competitive. I can't get my eyes off of me. But he turned it around that day. And he just let me have the moment. And he encouraged me. And before he left, he said, give me that scorecard. I was going to keep it, you know, and tell everybody, look what I did. He wrote his name on it and signed it as a witness. It says down, witness at the bottom. He said, I want people to know this really happened. And I carried it around thinking I was going to brag about the day I shot under par. But really what I want to brag about is my brother Heath and the encouragement he showed me that day. And you know what? Why that card means everything to me? Because my brother cared. And you know what's going to be wind in your sails? Is if that brother or sister sitting next to you begins to care about your life, begins to encourage you. And we begin to help one another become all that we can be in Christ. That's going to mean crying with somebody, weeping with somebody, but that's going to mean laughing with them, being joyful with them. It's hard being a friend, I hear. But maybe we need to do it. What do you think? On the night Jesus was betrayed, he sang a hymn with his friends. Don't you think he could have skipped that part? I mean, he knew what was about to happen to him. He'd already had to supper with his friends. He, he'd spent time with them. He said his goodbyes. You know, all right, now I got to get to work. I got things to do. But he took the time and he sang a hymn with his disciples. I think he needed the encouragement. Would you stand to your feet? We sang a hymn this morning together, didn't we? I don't know if you listened to the words of it, but it was talking about God's amazing grace and how it saved a wretch like me that didn't deserve it. And how I was once dead, but now I'm alive. I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. And His amazing grace Makes me want to sing. Let's sing, a, let's sing a hymn together today. Let's encourage one another as we, as, as the, your voice next to that person, next to you, is going to bring encouragement. Our voices come together, I hope, brings encouragement for the days ahead for this church. Amazing grace, 
How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Amen. Amen. That was beautiful. That is a beautiful sound to the Lord. That is a beautiful sound. This earth started with sound waves. You need to hear things. You need to hear that you can do it. My brothers and sisters, you can do it. You can overcome. God is for you. He is not against you. You will succeed. The devil will not have his way with you. The angels are standing guard and protecting. You are taking on the whole armor of God in your life. And it assures you the victory. And together we shall see the vision come to pass. Together we shall do this. I want you to be encouraged. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to be up here after the service. And I want to pray with you, introduce you to Jesus, and make sure that you, are, you become a child of God today. If you're here today and you're going through despair, I know it's tough to hear a message like this. Sometimes, sometimes your flesh don't want to hear it because you're so engulfed in pain of one, one nature or another. I want you to come up here. We're going to have some prayer team members up here at the front. We're going to encourage you and strengthen you today. But before we do that, before we leave today, you can go ahead and be seated. I want to, uh, we're going to talk just a moment about a program that we have here at the church that is just what the doctor ordered for encouragement in your life. And it is our life groups that begin this week. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.